John Hanson in for John Williams on the Winterest Business Lunch. We got one eye on what's going on in Washington as well, and we'll keep you posted on that. We do know that uh, Mar- Mar- Representative McCarthy, almost said Speaker McCarthy, not quite yet, uh, does not have the votes in the 12th one, but it is much closer with at least 10 representatives flipping towards McCarthy. It still leaves at least seven not. So we'll keep our eye on that. We'll keep you posted on that, too. Craig Bolanos from Wealth Management Group. All right, admit it, Craig. It's way more fun coming on a show when the markets are doing good, right? Oh, John, my timing is always exceptional whenever I do your program in the evening or the WGN Business Hour. Who doesn't like all shades of green? And we got that today because we learned one more time that people have gotten off the couch. After all, you have to get off your butt to earn a buck. And we expanded the labor participation rate. We created 223,000 more jobs. We have an unemployment rate at 3.5%. And best of all, I know this is going to sound opposite, but remember, we're still living in the upside-down world, Mm -hmm. the wages finally started to grow more slowly, and that's indicative that the inflation is going to continue to get better over time. Hence... Big market rally underway, first yeah. one of 2023. Well, we, uh, you know, we've been talking about this upside-down world, that a good labor number is usually bad for the markets. And when I said and saw that the equities were up today, I thought to myself, it's got to be that labor participation. I hadn't seen it yet. Because even though we've had some good job reports, the number of people that were working or going back to work was still kind of stagnant. So I imagine it's that and the wages that are really driving things, not necessarily the overall number of jobs added. Well, you're exactly correct, because the way they break the wages out, you know, I was on radio at 7.30 this morning when they got released, you know, as soon as we saw the print at 223,000 jobs, that wasn't meant to be celebrated. We actually wanted less jobs. I wanted sub 200,000, not because I don't want people to work, not because I don't want families to have money, but simply because I don't want the Federal Reserve to keep tightening interest rates. But then everything turned around about 30 seconds later when they said, hey, by the way, everybody, we grew average hourly earnings at a slower rate than expected, and that was all it took. You throw in some expansion of the participation rate, that's just bonus on top with a cherry on a Friday afternoon. Yeah, and you know, really the markets have been kind of strange the last two weeks, and I kind of was talking, I think it was last night or the night before, about the idea that we just, we didn't really have much data. We don't usually at the end of the year. Government takes a holiday just like the rest of us, and the markets almost seemed aimless. This seems to be the first piece of data real significant data that we've gotten in the new year, and the market likes it. Not necessarily meaning that we're going to get all great data, but this seems to be the first actual benchmark we can use to see which way to go. No, you're exactly right. Once we got through the Fed meeting in the middle of December, we spent the last two weeks with basically nothing happening. You had light volume, all the traders, everybody else is on a holiday, but now everybody is fully back because they were finally able to book an airline flight back into O'Hare. Wink, wink. That's another story we can talk about. <laughs> but the reality is, yes, we've got this data. Pretty soon we're going to be walking our way into fourth quarter earnings releases. And then, of course, all eyes will be on the Federal Reserve meeting. That's a policy decision meeting coming up on the 1st of February. All right. I got to ask you about Tesla. It continues to slide. I haven't checked the latest number, but I think it's down again today. It's not only because Elon Musk owns Twitter, but it's not only because they missed their revenue expectations. So I want to know, Craig, what percentage of those two factors do you think is driving Tesla's down? Is it more Elon Musk's uh, 
uh, propensity to say crazy things on Twitter? Someone say crazy things, or is it because they're just yeah, not performing? You know what? Crazy things are from a point of view. Obviously, I was the just going to say, you're point right. of view, you're right. Let's be sincere. Public sentiment is that you know he's kind of fallen from grace here a little bit. There's no doubt about that. But the other part of it is too. You know, I mean, what I read coming across the wire is that they have gone ahead and slashed their prices in China. And why did they slash their prices in China? Well, that was following a drop in delivery. So whenever you've got to cut your prices in order to gain interest to get cars moving again, you know, that's not necessarily a great sign. So I think the slide we saw in Tesla today is probably deserved. The same way we see that slide in everyone's favorite retailer. I mean, boy, I've got two boys in college, so trust me, I use Bed Bath & Beyond for towels, bed sheets, all those things. <laughs> it's a shame that they're going bankrupt, yeah, but why it is what it they? is. They, well, they missed the mark. I mean, how do you compete? I mean, you know, back in the day, John, we've got a kid down in Alabama. I got a kid up in Michigan, two kids in school, and they don't wash their sheets for, you know, probably the better part of two semesters. This right. is just true. They're right. men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what do we do? We Amazon sheets to the boys. We don't go to Bed Bath & Beyond and then go to the local UPS store. We Amazon them. So obviously, Bed Bath & Beyond missed the transition to digital. They didn't handle it well enough. The company will probably continue to exist as a portal. But as far as brick and mortar goes, it's just one more relic, unfortunately, as we transition through this Internet and digital age. All right, Craig, uh, what else you want to chat about here today? The market's obviously up. I didn't hear anything about WWE. Those shares are up, too, today, aren't they? Well, so WWE, obviously, there was all this wondering whether or not Vince McMahon, obviously, you know, was going to go ahead and return, take over. But it appears that he is actually going to look to monetize the business to do a sale. I guess that gets Vince McMahon out of that leadership and control position, and shareholders must be enjoying it because we've seen a decent double-digit rally in that stock today. All right. Where are we at? I know the Fed meeting isn't for a while. Do you think that behooves the Fed that they're going to get a lot of data here before they have to make their next decision? What are people saying about what the next hike could be, if at all? Well, you know what? I think at the end of the day, what we're going to see is the markets are squarely pricing in that the Fed's going to come through with another 25 basis points in the February meeting. Certainly, we should get another rate hike in the March meeting. The reality is I wouldn't be too surprised if they gave us 50 and then 25. I think another 75 basis points is probably due. Obviously, those with credit cards, those with auto loans, and those with HELOCs aren't going to be celebrating that fact. But the reality is I think we are closer than we have been to a Fed pivot. You had a whole bunch of Fed board members coming out today after the release of the employment data saying they want a little bit more tightening and then they want to sit with it. They want to see how all of this tightening mechanism is ultimately going to affect the economy. And let's be honest, 2022, the Fed went ahead and they talked down stock markets. They equally talked down bond markets. What are they trying to do in 2023? They're trying to put people in the unemployment line because they know they need to avoid a wage price spiral because no one wants a repeat of the 1970s. But not too many, and that's why landing the plane is hard. 
Well, it's, it's all about it's got to be just right. You know, either you said this to me in your evening show or someone did. I heard it, it's somewhat akin, this news of a soft landing. It's like threading a needle with a cataract in the sunlight in the summer of July. I That's definitely did tough. not say that. <laughs> you did not? Well, someone did. I'm taking credit for it then. It's there not you, you. And I think it is a tough needle to be thread, but good heavens, you know, just like markets always confuse as many people as it needs to do at any given point in time, the same thing can be said for economics. And the reality is, while a soft landing is not a probability, it's resiliency. Again, we learned today that a soft landing is a possibility that people should be looking at on the table. And I think that has investment implications that people should be considering. All right. What's going on in China? I mean, they've really done an about face here, which may be good for economics across the world, although they certainly are in some trouble there getting sick. Well, they've gone ahead and, you know, from what I'm reading, I don't live there, I don't work there, but China has decided just to let it rip. And when I say letting it rip, they're just letting COVID go all across that country, and it's definitely got humanitarian concerns. However, you are correct that we've talked consistently and constantly about three keys to a bottom, the first being inflation peaks, inflation declines, and the Fed believes it. We're getting close on that. And part number two, we have to have China reopen. That's there now. But we also have to have China start growing again. That is not yet there. What would I like to see? I'd like to see a stimulus program coming out of China. So every time I drive by the car lot, I can stop seeing used cars and start seeing new cars once again. Are they big on stimulus packages in China, just like here? You know what? Everything's on the table. At the end of the day, you know, the new leader, you know, President Xi Jinping, or I just call him President Xi because I don't know how to pronounce his name authentically. The reality is he's going to do whatever he needs to do to get things moving again. He's historic. He's the first third-term leader in China. You know, that's a five-year gig. And the reality is they didn't even report their GDP numbers at the end of the year. Remember talking about that? So we Mm -hmm. all know how bad it is when you don't even report, let alone FIB, which they've done in the past. So I I think you could see a stimulus program coming out of China to really get things cooking, and that would be welcome news by all markets. Where are we at with oil right now? Well, you know, when I think about the oil markets, first I think about it from an investment thesis when people say, hey, what are some of the areas people probably want to be in for the first quarter, the first half of the year? I think I look at and I say, yes. Healthcare, financials, energy still makes an awful lot of sense, but gone are the days of oil trading all the way up at $120 a barrel. We are nowhere near that, right? I mean, the commodities right now, you know, it's been a bit of a gloomy run as of late, but I think when you take a look at the price of WTI, West Texas Intermediate Crude, trading somewhere around $73 a barrel, someone should phone President Biden and say, hey, you sold oil out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve when it's Let's get that thing pumped and filled back up while prices are low. I think that's the move to make. All right, let's bring this home for people, everyday investors, everyday folks who are just trying to make a little more money, keep their own money. What are some tips here for the new year? Uh, I I know that we still have some flexibility to to donate, donate, to put money into our IRAs, our Roth IRAs before tax day, right? There are very few things that people can do to lower their income for 2022 after December 31st, and you are correct. 
funding your traditional deductible IRA, that is one. Part number two, if you have a high deductible health care plan that you can pair with a health savings account, that's number two. And remember, controlling that income is the key to qualifying for various deductions and credits that you might otherwise be phased out. So I'm happy you mentioned that, John. Right. And I know that the, the new omnibus bill made some changes. I don't know how up you are on it. I know it's a big bill. <laughs> I think I've, well, I've... You mean the 4,195 pages that I'm sure not everybody read? No. But in that 4,195 pages, we have the Secure Act Part 2. Yes. 2.0, setting every community up for retirement enhancement. And it's got lots of good things. We're going to have increased 401k, increased IRA, contributions, catch-up provisions. Most importantly, for those who have required minimum distributions, they've now been pushed back to the age of 73. For young workers, we're going to start creating automatic enrollment and 401k plans to get people educated that they need to start saving earlier. So while I was not a fan, this is an editorial of the SECURE Act 1.0, I am a fan of the Secure Act 2.0 because I think it's directionally correct, and it truly is setting every community up for retirement enhancement. I want to hone in on one of those things, and that's the RMD thing, because I believe now it's for this year... It's 73, right? Or is that next year it moves up? No, no, no. It's right now 73. So if people aren't paying attention and they have automatic distribution set up on their accounts, they could be very disappointed. You know, stop the presses. RMDs, required distributions for those with IRAs, 401ks, used to be 70 and a half. Then during the pandemic, we pushed it back to the age of 72, courtesy of the SECURE Act 2.0. You heard it right here on John's show. RMDs now start at 73, and over the course of the next 10 years, they will gradually increase to the age of 75. I think that's good news for many. If you already paid your RMD, let's say you turned 72 last year, you paid it, you're are, now you still have to do it, though, even though you're turning 73 in this year. Am I right on that, or can you pause yes, it? you are. You are. So you're if you were correct. 72 last year, you really got, you got a little messed up there. Yeah, it, you know, it depends. I mean, you're correct. It's all going to be about the what I call month of your birth as right. to how this structures in terms of tax years and whether or not people went ahead and delayed. You know, more guidance is going to come on this. But the bottom line is, I think, allowing people to keep money in their tax-sheltered retirement plan for longer is good. I mean, not everybody can afford to do that. Right. But for those that can, this is a fantastic planning opportunity. For sure. I mean, especially after a year where the markets go down and they go back up this year, your RMD is going to be a lot different. And, you know, you just feel a lot better about where your account is before you have to take that psychological jump to starting to see that money go down. It's way better if it starts going down after it's already been way up. Oh, emphatically. And I think you keyed in on something. I don't know if we have time, but, you know, my advice to everybody again right now is do not panic and look at both sides of the ledger. It's very, very rare that stocks and bonds both go the same direction in a given year. Obviously, that happened in 2022. That was the first time bonds went down at the same time as stocks. 
in 45 years. I think there is great value out there in the bond and the fixed income market. I encourage people not to abandon bonds, but re-embrace bonds and re-embrace income. After all, retirement is all about income, and we have yields today that we haven't seen in 2006. That's incredibly attractive. And on the stock side, remember, continue to play offense while you're playing defense. Focusing on those dividend growers is a great spot to be as we enter the opening month of 2023. All right. I think we're chatting next week, uh, Craig, or soon on Your Money Matters. And I'm going to ask you about the uh, the uh, debt crisis, okay? <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about it. And that's definitely related. When we talk about the debt crisis, that's why Wall Street's very focused on the election of and the appointment of a speaker. Because when we have those ceilings and reconciliations later this year, we need everybody to work in Congress together, not be fragmented. We'll do that again soon. Greg Bolanos, co-founder, CEO of Wealth Management Group. Thanks for your time. Absolutely. Pleasure. Invest with WMG.com. John for John on the Wintrust Business Lunch. Many folks participating in a dry January. For some, it's a that's all they do. It's dry January through December, and they're sober, and a lot of people feel like there haven't been a lot of opportunities for folks to gather, to have something to drink that's non-alcoholic, that's still in a fun space. Uh, but Joe Truer and the folks over at Go Brewing in Naperville, and a lot of other places, too, are getting on this bandwagon as well to still provide a great atmosphere for no or low-alcoholic drinks. Joe, thanks for hopping on with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You guys just had your grand opening. In fact, we were out in Naperville for our Your Hometown video that we did on WGN Radio. We were over at your neighbors at Salamoth Brewery, and they were excited to hear about your opening just down the way. Tell us a little bit about Go Brewing. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, they're amazing neighbors, so uh, thanks for uh, thanks for coming by our neighborhood. Uh, Go Brewing is the first non-alcoholic and low-alcoholic brewery in Illinois. As you stated, we're across the parking lot from Salamoth in Naperville. We have a wide range of non-alcoholic beers on tap, and non-alcoholic is anything that, that's 0.5% ABV or lower. And we also have a few low-alcohol beers on tap as well that we make all in-house. Uh, plus, uh, to pay homage to our neighbors, we have some guest taps that do have alcohol. We just do not uh, make anything with alcohol ourselves that is uh, anything above 2.5%. I know you have a background in the business world, in the automotive industry, or some other startups as well in Naperville. What attracted you to, to do this? Um, what a great question. <laughs> and it's, it's quite different than my, uh, my previous life. Uh, what attracted me is um, a challenge my wife and I did a few years back where we abstained from alcohol for 75 days and felt incredible afterwards. But one thing we found is it was really hard to find a place uh, to go out to for for dinner or after dinner that didn't revolve around alcohol, mm-hmm. so we decided to create we decided to create one. What is it like in there? Is it just like a brewery, but the drinks are different? Like, I mean, is it uh, you have like the, the table games, or you got a back outdoor seating? Like, if people were to walk in there, if they didn't know any better, would they think they were in a brewery that serves alcoholic drinks? Oh, one one hundred percent, and and I would say that. In our, uh, our tap room in our brewery is a little bit different. We have a stage here. We have live storytelling. We have a lot of fitness and wellness events. We have an outdoor area. We have a 15-barrel brew house um, that's, that uh, is like a medium-sized brewery. So everything you would, you would uh, assume a brewery to be is here and more. 
Yeah. I, I just, I, I wonder, are most of your customers folks that have abstained from alcohol entirely? People that are just giving it a try? Maybe the dry January crowd or a mix of everybody? You know what? That's such a great question. And I have to say that I'm surprised by the mix of people that we have in here. And first, I thought the market was going to be a lot of folks like myself that are seeking moderation. But what we're finding is there is just a lot of people that do not drink uh, for health reasons, for reasons that they just can't drink, that they had a previous problem with drinking. I would say about 50% plus of our customer base is, are, are those fine folks. Um, and then the rest are just a mix of people that are either experimenting with moderation that want to cut back or that simply um, like to like to have a few um, higher alcohol drinks and finish their evening here. So it's, mm. it's quite a w- wide range of people. I was going to say, yeah, because you can't spend all day at a brewery with alcohol. That might be a problem. It might be good to switch back and forth <laughs> between you guys and Salamoth just to moderate things a bit. Yeah. I swear it happens. It happens often. We had a gentleman here, and I, he, in one night, he had hopped back and forth three different times. So <laughs> <laughs> it happens. I like it. Um, are you guys just out of the Go Brewing, uh, the Go Brewing location, or do you sell your? Are you working on a distribution model? Yeah, it's it's all of the above. So we we have three different uh, businesses really out of here. We have the tap room, which obviously you can come in here have. NA beers on tap, which you can't really do anywhere in Illinois. Um, so we're the first place that, that you can actually have a draft beer of, of NA. The, the second, I would, I would say, channel of our business is distribution. So we are in about 15 locations um, all over Illinois, including, including breweries. Um, we have the first restaurant crafted in Plainfield that's carrying our beer on tap, which is pretty amazing. So you can have a meal and NA beer on tap. And then we have our direct-to-consumer model where we sell across the nation on our website. And that's a real big benefit to NA Beer is that we're not limited by the geography. We, we literally uh, get sales every day from across the United States all the way from California to uh, New York. I just got a text from someone saying, I'm going to pick up my first order today at 3 p.m. I'm getting the wheat beer. And I guess that is the point, right? There are different beers with different tastes. It's just like craft breweries that that you normally go to. You can try different styles, and that's what makes it fun. Yeah, we have eight different styles of NA beer from from the wheat beer. We just made a new mango peach hazy IPA. That's amazing. We just canned a chocolate cherry stout that's addictive. Um, we make beer just like any other brewery here. You can come see it being made. You wouldn't really see any, any differences. It's just the ratios and the methodology we use to produce less alcohol. Yeah. I uh, Just uh, one last point I want to make is I, I work at Block Club Chicago, and we've done stories about uh, people trying to set up dry bars or you know get started on it. I imagine just like Craft Brewery, you're, you're probably saying the more the merrier. A, a rising tide lifts all ships. If there's more dry brewers out there, uh, better on them. Oh, a hundred percent. This is, this is not just a trend. I mean, people are realizing that you can't just keep drinking and, and live, live a healthy lifestyle. Sure. The, the occasional drink is, is great, but more and more information is coming out on, on the harmful effects of long-term alcohol use and having places that, that you can socialize, but not have those harmful effects of, of alcohol are really beneficial. So I think the more the merrier for sure. Joe Chura, president and founder of Go Brewing, gobrewing.com. Thanks for joining us, Joe. 
Thanks so much for having me. Good luck with everything there. Let's get the Wintrust Business Minute. Here's Steve Grzanich. Start your timer. It's time for the Wintrust Business Minute, sharing Chicago's business news of the day. Baxter International will restructure the company with a spinoff of one of its divisions and the resignation of a top executive. The Deerfield-based medical products company is spinning off its kidney care business into a separate publicly traded company. That move is expected to happen in the next year to 18 months. Baxter says it'll help the company focus on growth. The company's biopharma solutions business could also be separated or sold. Baxter's chief operating officer has also resigned. What salary does it take to be in the middle class in Chicago? A CNBC analysis says an income of $52,000 to $156,000 would put you in the middle class here. That's a little bit higher than the rest of the nation because of cost of living in Chicago. The national average is between $47,000 and $142,000. San Francisco has the highest range, starting at $77,000, followed by Washington, D.C., Seattle, Boston, and San Diego. The number of Americans considered to be in the middle class has been shrinking for decades, but this report says that has leveled out in the last 10 years. I'm Steve Grzanich, and that's your Trust Business Minute. And the business of food, Steve Alexander. Yeah, green was the color in Vegas yesterday. Uh, we're sponsored by the Chevy Silverado HD, by the way. Experience life in HD. Visit ChevyDriveChicago.com. We've been talking a lot on the station about the Consumer Electronics Show, which opened in Vegas yesterday and on the main stage. We're officially starting now with our morning opening keynote. And here's where you might expect one of the Silicon Valley billionaires to take the stage and dazzle the crowd with his or her newfangled inventions. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming... Or not. John Deere Chairman and CEO, John May. Wait, hold on. John Deere, the green tractor company? And I know that some of you are wondering, why should you care about farmers when they represent less than 2% of the U.S. population. John May could have used his 20 minutes or so on stage to brag about Deere's products, but he spent a lot of time educating techies about farming. It's farmers who undertake the enormous task of growing the food, fuel, and fiber we all need. Of course, he did take time to brag about Deere's long history of being a tech disruptor and innovator. In 1918, John Deere replaced horses with engines. We launched our first two tractors, the Waterloo Boy and the John Deere tractor. And this is not the first time the John Deere's been at the tech show. Last year at CES, we went a step further and introduced the world's first fully autonomous tractor. These tractors aren't concept vehicles. They're real and are being used on farms today. And John May, the CEO of John Deere, wrapped it up like this. When you sit down for your next meal, I want you to think about a farmer. Their work starts the process of growing the food that many of us only see in a grocery store or delivered to our front doors. I was kind of hoping that he would have added that without farmers, you'd be hungry, homeless, naked, and sober. From the farm to your belly, today's National Bean Day. It's also National Shortbread Day. That's the business of food on 720 WGN. John for John on the Winter's Business Lunch, the Consumer Electronics Show, and today number two out in Las Vegas. And uh, the folks at Apt Electronics paying close attention to what happens there. Carl Prouty joins us now, the technologist at Apt Electronics out in Glenview, app.com. And uh, Carl, it's good to talk with you, my friend. 
Thanks, John. Same same to you. I know some of your folks are out there. I talked to uh, one of your guys last week who was uh, making the trek out there. It must be an exciting show to see. Are you um, anticipating or have you heard back uh, reports of just any of the cool stuff that's going on there this week? We have, yeah. They've uh, they've kind of been updating us with pictures and things as they go along. They sent some from the LG booth, and LG always does. They They generally have the best booth at the entire show. Uh, but they had some really cool stuff, namely the a 97-inch wireless OLED TV. 97 <laughs> inches? 97 inches. So they, they came out with a 97-inch OLED last year, but it's everything's wired. So you need to – anything you're going to hook up to the TV is going to have a cable running right from that product, like your Blu-ray player, right to the TV. So you're going to have to hide those wires. This one, you're just hanging the TV on your wall or putting it on a stand, and then you don't have any wires other than the power cord that are going to be seen coming out of it. Everything is going to plug into a box that you can put on the other side of the room just to get it out of the way, and that's going to beam the signal over to the TV. Whoa. So you don't have any of those ugly wires. You don't have to hide them anywhere. What does OLED mean, by the way? It's uh, organic light-emitting diode. It's the way that the picture is actually uh, illuminated on the screen. So you have LED TVs, which use the traditional LED lights, you know, like you, like you plug in at home. And then you have these, which are actually almost like living organisms. What? That, uh, so they can light up each pixel individually. It's a, it's, it's a really cool technology, and we're going to see more and more of it as, as it progresses. Do they have, like, prices on these things at the show, or is it just for show? Like, <laughs> do we have any idea what that would set you back at, one of, at a retailer? Well, the wired version of that TV is $25,000, and I what? imagine the wireless version is going to be a little bit more, so we're probably probably looking in the neighborhood of thirty thousand. But they don't actually most of the most of the places don't announce prices at the show. All right, uh, AI power, artificial intelligence—that's huge this year, right? It is. Yeah, it's been growing and growing as uh, as we've gone to CES for the last few years. And what and, sorts uh, of things are? Yeah, what's what? What companies are investing in it? What does that do for us as consumers? Well, so while we're on the topic of TVs, for TVs, it basically uses artificial intelligence to analyze every object on the screen. So now the TV is, is knows when to add more light to a particular spot or adjust the colors on a particular object. So if something is, you know, if you have the sun on the screen, it's gonna it's gonna boost the brightness where the sun is on the screen. So it's gonna look brighter on that spot in the picture. Versus if there's a shadow, it's gonna dim that area a little bit. So just it brings out a lot more detail in the picture and these TVs are getting so smart that it's it's reproducing things really exactly the way the directors of these programs want them to look. Well, I was going to say, is that what it is? It enhances what the directors wanted, or is it? does it do it too far? Or I guess it just strikes a good balance. It, it strikes a great balance, actually. We've already seen it. So it already it, it already exists in, in many forms on the TVs we already have in our homes, but it keeps improving and improving. And, and at a certain point, it's just going to be like looking at the world around you. It's, it's going to be like you're not even watching a screen anymore. Can AI help me cook? Uh, AI actually can help you cook. So Samsung has an oven that they're going to be releasing. They actually have a whole line of appliances, but the oven is, is what I found the most interesting. They have an oven. It's going to have a camera on the inside of it, and it's going to have sensors on the inside of it. So you're going to be able to, to <laughs> stream and watch your food as it cooks, but it's also going to be able to recognize uh, lots of different types of foods that you're trying to cook. So it's going to know 
how long to cook something, when to change the temperature on something, and it's going to help your food come out tasting better. It's even got a sensor built in that can detect if something starts to burn, so you know when it's, you know, you know, kind of before it gets too late. You don't ruin that nice bacon that you just threw in there to cook for a little bit. Right. Because normally I can tell when it's burning, but that's the sound of the fire alarm. Um, I love this, <laughs> this bird buddy thing. Tell me when this is ready for the public, because my dad my dad needs one of these things. He cannot wait to tell me which bird he saw in the backyard. Uh, and I, I know. I have a feeling this is going to change the game for a lot of people's retirements. Yeah. <laughs> so it gives you something to do. Um, right now, they don't have... A, uh, a release date yet. This is it, it's more of a prototype, which is kind of a bummer, but it's a really cool technology. It's a birdhouse or a bird feeder with a camera built in, and it can identify over a thousand different types of birds. So even even if you're not an ornithologist, uh, you can still know what kind of birds are visiting your yard, and it's a it's a great way to pass the time. It's going to be great for for kids to keep an eye on, for adults to keep an eye on. It's just a really cool technology. Speaking of kids, kids in the stroller can be a little bit more tethered to mom and dad without actually being tethered to them. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was one of the more interesting things that I, uh, I came across in my research for uh, for this year's CES. So there's a company called Glukskind. I, I don't know if I'm saying that exactly correct, but they have an AI-powered stroller. So this has motors built into it. We've all kind of heard of electric bikes now, and electric bikes sort of help you uh, assist you pedaling. So it's not necessarily doing all the work, but this is an AI-powered stroller. So as you're pushing, if you're going up a hill, for example, it's going to kind of help you push the stroller up the hill. But if your baby starts fussing and you have to pick them up out of the stroller, this is smart enough now to walk in front of you while you're holding the baby. So ah. now you're not you're not trying to wrangle in a screaming child while trying to push your stroller that has all your stuff in it. The stroller's taking over while you're attending to the baby. So it's it's just it, it's going to make parents' lives a lot easier. Plus, it has the ability to rock the baby if you have them in there. It has the ability. It has a white noise machine too, so it can kind of help block out the noise that's going on around that might be maybe interrupting a nap, yeah. which is extra important. I have four kids, so I know how important <laughs> naps are. Boy, I'm so glad I waited to have babies till this technology came along. So uh, we got about a minute and a half left. Anything interesting in the car world? Uh, in the car world, yeah, actually, the, that's been a big part of CES this year. So Sony, which you probably know from their TVs and their audio and video equipment, is going to be producing a car. They showed a concept a few years ago at CES, and it was just kind of to show off what they what they could do. This year, they actually teamed up with Honda and announced that they are going to be producing a smart car, uh, which was a really cool thing to see. It's got it, it's got augmented reality on the windshield. So there's a heads-up display that kind of shows you your speed, the temperature, whatever kind of information you need. But then they have little screens on the outside, so you can even show the people who are driving behind you what the score of the Bulls game is or what the score of the Sox game is. It's really, it's a really interesting thing, it's, and it's supposed to be shipping to consumers by 2026, so it's not that far off. And a bike there's, desk, I see. <laughs> yeah, there's a bike desk, too. So we, we, there's, they already have treadmills available, so you can walk while you're doing your work. This one, sort of, it's a safer option, and it's going to power your products that are plugged into it. So you can sit on the seat, you can pedal the bike, charge up a battery that's built into the bike, and that's going to charge your devices. And now you don't have to worry about losing your balance, or, you know, it, it, it's just an easier way to uh, get your exercise while you're doing your work in a safe manner. That's cool stuff. Carl, 
it must be so fun to be there. I'm sure you're a little jealous of the folks that are there, but you got four kids. That's why you're staying at home. The technologist at AptElectronics and GlenviewApp.com, always a great place to visit, either online or in person. Thanks for your time, Carl. We appreciate it. Thanks, John.